Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِذَا نُقِرَ فِي النَّاقُورِ And when the trumpet is blown, warn the people against the hereafter, the punishment of the hereafter. Why? Because the matter of the hereafter is very serious. فَإِذَا نُقِرَ فِي النَّاقُورِ نُقِرَ From the root letters, نُون قَافْ رَا And نَقْر is to blow. What does it mean? To blow. And نَاقُور is a trumpet or a bugle. Anything in which a person blows, why? In order to produce sound. It is something that is hollow from inside, solid from outside. So, فَإِذَا نُقِرَ فِي النَّاقُورِ When the trumpet is blown. Why? To begin the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ said, How can I be comfortable when the one with the horn has placed it in his mouth? leaned his forehead forward and is waiting to be commanded so that he can blow. Just imagine, the angel is ever ready to blow the trumpet. Allah says, فَإِذَا نُقِرَ فِي النَّاقُورِ فَذَلِكَ يَوْمَ إِذِنْ That day, يَوْمٌ عَسِيرٌ will be a difficult day. فَذَلِكَ So that يَوْمَ إِذِنْ is that day which is يَوْمٌ عَسِيرٌ A very difficult day, a harsh day. It's not an easy day. And especially عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ On the disbelievers, غَيْرُ yasir, Not easy at all. So generally that day is difficult. However, for the disbelievers, it's not easy at all. For the believers, it is easy compared to how it will be on the disbelievers. However, in general, that day is very hard. It's very difficult. عَلَى الْكَافِرِينَ غَيْرُ yasir. In Surah Al-Hajj, Ayah 1 to 2, we learn, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اتَّقُوا رَبَّكُمْ إِنَّ الزَّلْزَلَةَ السَّاعَةِ شَيْءٌ عَظِيمٌ It's عظيم, it's عسير, it's غَيْرُ يَسِيرٌ يَوْمَ تَرَوْنَهَا تَذْهَلُ كُلُّ مُرْضِعَةٍ عَمَّا أَرْضَعَتْ وَتَضَعُ كُلُّ ذَاتِ حَمْلٍ حَمْلَهَا وَتَرَى النَّاسَ سُكَارًا وَمَا هُمْ بِسُكَارًا in Surah Al-Muzzammil 17, we have learned earlier, فَكَيْفَ تَتَّقُونَ إِنْ كَفَرْتُمْ يَوْمًا يَجْعَلُ الْوِلْدَانَ شِيبًا Children will turn gray-haired because of the intensity, the horrors of that day. In Surah Al-Namula 87, وَيَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ فَفَزِعَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَكُلٌ أَتَوْهُ دَاخِرِينَ Everyone in the heavens and the earth will be frightened. Allah says, ذَرْنِي Leave me, meaning leave me to deal with. Who? وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ And the one whom I created. Wahida Alone. Leave me to deal with the one whom I created alone. Wahid. Wahid is from Wawhadal. And what does Wahid mean? Alone. Singular. Soul. Only. Meaning there is none like him. None with him. None in competition with him. None similar to him. So what does it mean by this? وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَحِيدَ This has been understood in a number of ways. That first of all, Wahid is the fa'il of خَلَقْتُ That I created alone, meaning myself. Leave me to deal with the one whom I created. How did I create him? Wahid, alone, myself. No one had a share with me in his creation. I created him all by myself. Secondly, they said that Wahid, this is the maf'ul of Dharni. Meaning, leave me as Wahid, leave me alone to deal with who? 
وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ To deal with the one whom I created. I will deal with him myself. I will deal with him myself. I will call him to account. I will question him myself. I will recompense him myself. So what does it show? On the day of judgment, Allah will deal with people how? Himself. ذَرْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَحِيدًا Thirdly, it has been said that wahid, this is the maf'ool of khalaqtu. Maf'ool of khalaqtu. Whom I created alone. How? That he was created alone in the womb of his mother. He was all alone there. He didn't have any wealth. He did not have any children. He did not have any family. He did not have any wealth. He was all alone in the womb. And this is how people come into this dunya. All by themselves, alone. What wealth do they own at that time? Which supporters do they have? Which family do they have? وَذَرْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَحِيدًا Leave me with the one I created alone, meaning I will deal with him myself. Now this verse and the following verses, they were revealed concerning Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. Who was he? Walid ibn Al-Mughira. Who was he? He was the father of Khalid ibn Walid. And he was extremely wealthy. And all of the chiefs of Makkah, he had a very high rank and he had a very high status amongst the people. He was known as Rayhanatu Quraysh, the flower of Quraysh. Rayhan, remember? So he was known as Rayhanatu Quraysh and he used to call himself Wahid ibn al Wahid. Why? That no one is like me. I have no comparison. I have no competition. No one is like me. No one is similar to me in my wealth. No one is similar to me in my power, in my beauty, in my authority, in my knowledge. So he used to call himself Wahid ibn Wahid. And he was a paternal uncle of Abu Jahl. And he had ten sons. Ten sons he had. And he was also extremely wealthy. It is said that his properties were stretched from all the way from Makkah to At-Ta'if. This is how wealthy he was. He had a lot of property. And according to some narrations, his yearly income was about 10 million dinar. 10 million dinar. That was his yearly income, annual income. And just to give you a comparison, Abu Bakr anhu, when he was a Khalifa, remember that when he became the Khalifa, he went to the marketplace in order to do some business so that he could get some money to provide for his family. Umar anhu, he happened to pass by and he saw these few girls who wanted to ask Abu Bakr for something but Abu Bakr was not there so he went looking for Abu Bakr who went to the marketplace found Abu Bakr there and he said what are you doing your job is that you're the Khalifa and you're busy in the marketplace so he said I have to provide for my family so Umar said that no you cannot leave your work this is a full time job you have you cannot leave it even to make money so then Abu Bakr said if you give me something then I will not continue with this business so he said how much do you need he said 300 dinar a year 300 dinar a year The salary of the Khalifa Was how much? 300 dinar And Walid bin Mughira His yearly income was how much? 10 million dinar 10 million dinar So just to have an idea Of how extremely wealthy this man was How rich he was Walid bin Mughira this is why he used to call himself Wahid ibn al-Wahid. I have no comparison. No one is like me. 
So Allah says, ذَرْنِي وَمَنْ خَلَقْتُ وَحِيدًا Leave me to deal with him. I created him alone. I will deal with him alone. And I brought him in this world when he was alone as well. وَجَعَلْتُ لَهُ And I made for him malan wealth that is mamduda that is extensive. Mamdud is from mad yamuddu which means to extend, to stretch. And mamdud is one that has been stretched, one that has been extended. So I have made for him, I have assigned for him, I have granted to him wealth that is mamdud. What does it mean by mamdud? Meaning it is extended, it is spread over miles and miles. As I mentioned to you, his properties, his gardens, were from, they stretched from Makkah to Ataif. This is how wealthy he was. Malam mamduda, spread over miles and miles. Mamdud is also understood as kathir, abundant. He had abundant wealth that continuously generated from his crops, from his livestock, from his business, constantly being generated, mamdud, extended, constantly generating unending supplies. Wabanina shuhuda, and sons that are ever present. As I mentioned to you, he had ten sons. And shuhud, this is a plural of the word shahid. What does it mean by this? Sons that are shuhud. This is understood in two ways. First of all, who were always present by his side. Never leaving for any trade or for any other need. It is said that he had ten sons. And of those ten sons, only three became Muslim eventually. And who were they? Khalid ibn walid Hisham ibn walid and Amara ibn walid The rest of the sons, they did not accept Islam. However, all of his sons, how were they? Shuhud. They were always with him. The Arabs, what did they do? Especially the people of Makkah. They were merchants. They were tradesmen. And they would travel to Syria. They would travel to Yemen in the summers and the winters. Why? In order to have business for the purpose of trade. Now, imagine if a person is going from Makkah all the way to Syria. Or he's going from Makkah all the way to Yemen. Is he going for a day? Is he going for two days? No. These business trips sometimes took months, took weeks. So the men mainly were those who would go for these business trips. And once they would go, they would come back after weeks, after months. However, Walid ibn al-Mughira, he was so wealthy. And he had so many workers that he never had to travel for business and his sons never had to travel for business either. He had so many workers, he never had to travel himself, his sons never had to travel either. So his sons were always there. وَبَنِينَ shuhuda. And imagine his sons, they lived off of who? Their father. Why? Because he was so wealthy. وَبَنِينَ shuhuda. Then, shuhud is also understood in another way. Which means that they were always present. His sons were always present. Always present where? At social gatherings, at big events. People, you know, looked up to them. People listened to them. People respected them. Their testimonies, their words, they were accepted. وَبَنِينَ shuhuda. And this is the true worldly success of a person that when he himself is successful and his children are also successful. So وَبَنِينَ shuhuda. Allah says, وَمَهَّدْتُ لَهُ تَمْهِيدًا And I spread everything before him, easing his life. مَهَّدْتُ تَمْهِيد ميم هَادَال What does mahad mean? To prepare a cradle, to flatten a bed, to flatten a sheet, 
to take out all of the curves, everything from there, so that it is nice and smooth. So mahatu, I smoothened, I eased for him tamheed is mustal for the purpose of emphasis. What does it mean by this? That I made his life smooth and comfortable for him. His wealth, his children, everything is prepared for him, ready for him, smooth for him. He doesn't have to put in any effort. His wealth is such, it has reached such a point that it's just generating more and more money itself. He doesn't have to take any worries, any tension, any work. His sons don't have to carry the burden. Money is being generated itself. They as a family are respected. People look up to them. People listen to them. وَمَهَدْتُ لَهُ تَمْهِيدًا If you think about it, any person who goes into politics or any person who starts making money, what does he have? A lot of competition. But Walid bin Mughira had no competition. Why? He was at the top. There was no one who was like him. This is why he was called Wahid. Wahid ibn Wahid. So Allah says, وَمَهَدْتُ لَهُ تَمْهِيدًا I did all of this for him. ثُمَّ يَطُمَعُ أَنْ أَزِيدٌ And then he desires that I should add more. Azida, That I should give him more. I should increase him in his wealth. In spite of having all of this, he still desires that he should be given more. This is his greed. There is no end to his greed. There is no end to his desire. He is still not satisfied with what he has. And it's amazing sometimes that there are people who have so much wealth, but what are they concerned about? Making more wealth. Making more money. I mean, what are you going to do with that money? Honestly. Sometimes I wonder that if a person has so much money, that he has a huge house, he has a huge car, everything is set up, everything is nice, he's still busy making more money, investing more and more. What are you going to do with that money? Honestly, what? So, ثُمَّ يَطْمَعُ أَنْ أَزِيدٌ This is true. The more wealth a person has, the more his desire for it increases. His greed never comes to an end. And this is why the statement of the Prophet ﷺ is so true that if the son of Adam had two valleys of gold, he would wish for a third. And nothing can satisfy, can fill his stomach except for turab, except for dust, mud. When he dies, then it is that his desire will come to an end. ثُمَّ يَطْمَعُ أَنْ أَزِيدٌ Allah says, Kalla, no way. Meaning, I'm not going to give him more than that. I'm not going to increase him in his wealth. Why? Because إِنَّهُ كَانَ لِآيَاتِنَا عَنِيدًا He has been toward our verses obstinate. عَنِيد Who is عَنِيد? One who is stubborn in his opposition. Who opposes the truth despite knowing. Because there is stubbornness in that. You know what the truth is. You see it, you recognize it, yet you don't acknowledge it. Why? You're being stubborn. So he has been with our ayat عَنِيد What does the ayat refer to? The Qur'an. Now this man, Walid bin Mughira, he was apparently very wise, knowledgeable. He was aware of the Arabic language. And in his heart, he was fully convinced of the truthfulness of the Qur'an. Because any person who knew the Prophet ﷺ, who had a little bit of understanding of the Arabic language, could not deny the fact that what the Prophet ﷺ was saying was indeed wahi, revelation. It was not his own word. But in order to save his position as a chief of his people, in order to remain as the only person who had no competition, he was not prepared to affirm faith. He was not prepared to accept Islam, to become a believer. 
And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the Prophet sallallahu obviously he stood up and he started warning people. And he warned people in many different ways. Openly, secretly, at individual level, public level. He called people from the Mount Safa. And similarly, when the Hujjaj were coming into Makkah for the purpose of Hajj, what would he do? He would go and do da'wah to them as well. Now the people of Makkah became worried that look, there are outsiders who are going to be coming into Makkah. And if Muhammad goes and recites to them the Qur'an, they will get influenced by him. And if they get influenced by him very quickly, his message will spread everywhere. So they had to come up with a plan to warn people against the Prophet ﷺ. That what do we say about him so that people don't listen to him? So all of the chiefs, especially the Quraysh chiefs, they held a conference and they got together in order to decide what kind of campaign they were going to launch against the Prophet ﷺ in the Hajj season. So Walid bin Mughira, he said to the chiefs who were there, that if you said contradictory things about Muhammad ﷺ, we all would lose our trust among the people. Therefore, let us agree upon one opinion, which we should all say without dispute. Look at how intelligent he was. That we all have to say the same thing. If you say he's a poet, and you say he's a madman, and you say he's insane, then people are not going to listen to us. So we all have to agree on what we're going to say about him. So some people said they would call Muhammad ﷺ a soothsayer. Walid bin Mughira said, no, by Allah he's not a soothsayer. We have seen the soothsayers, what they murmur and what they utter has no remote resemblance with the Qur'an. Some other people said, then we will say he is possessed. So Walid bin Mughira said, he is not possessed. We have seen bad and insane people. The way one walks disjointedly and behaves foolishly in that state is known to all. Who would believe that what Muhammad ﷺ presented was the incoherent speech of a madman? Then the people said, then we say he's a poet. Walid said, no, he's not a poet. For we know poetry in all its forms, and what he presents conforms to no form of it. We know poetry very well, and what he says is not poetry. Look at how convinced he was, how he recognized the truth. This is why Allah calls him Anid. The people said, then he is a sorcerer. Walid said, he is no sorcerer either. We have seen sorcerers, and we also know what methods they adopt for their sorcery. This also does not apply to Muhammad ﷺ. Sorcerers, they keep unclean, filthy. Muhammad ﷺ was told, So then he said, whichever of these things you said about Muhammad, it would be known to be a false accusation. By Allah, his speech is sweet, his root is deep, and his branches are fruitful. So at this Abu Jahl, he began urging Walid bin Mughira that your people will never be pleased with you unless you say something about Muhammad wasallam. I mean, you have to say something about him, condemn him, you've said such good words about him. He's not a poet, he's not a magician, he's not this, he's not that. So people won't listen to you, you have to condemn him. So Walid bin Mughira said, let me think over it a while. Then after prolonged thought and consideration, he said, the nearest thing to the truth is that you tell the Arabs that he is a magician, he is a sorcerer, who has brought a message by which he separates a man from his father and from his brother and from his wife and children and from his family. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, إِنَّهُ كَانَ لِآيَاتِنَا Anida, he recognized the truth, but just to keep his position, what did he do? 
He opposed the ayat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, سَأُرْهِقُهُ سَعُودًا I will cover him with a very difficult punishment. أُرْهِقُ أُرْهِقُ رَهَقَاف What does that mean? رَهَق To overcome, to overtake forcefully. And أُرْهِقُ is to impose a difficult task on someone. لَا تُرْهِقَنِي مِنْ أَمْرِ عُسْرًا Remember in Surah Al-Kahf? So, سَأُرْهِقُهُ I shall force him to سَعُود What does سَعُود mean? Ascend. To go up. So I will force upon him, I will impose on him the suffering of a punishment that is only going to increase, that is ever increasing, from which he will have no relief ever. سَأُرْهِقُهُ سَعُودًا Sa'ud has also been understood as a mountain in hellfire which the people of hellfire will be made to ascend and then they will fall down from it. We learned about this earlier as well. So سَأُرْهِقُهُ سَعُودًا I will force this punishment on him. This punishment that will only increase. This punishment in which he has to ascend that mountain and he will fall from it. Why? Because إِنَّهُ فَكَّرَ وَقَدَّرْ Indeed he thought and deliberated. فَكَّرَ يُفَكِّرُ تَفْكِيرُ What does that mean? To contemplate, to think. So he contemplated وَقَدَّرَ And he evaluated. He made a decision. He made a decision in his mind. Because when the people were asking him, what do we say? He was thinking. No, you can't say this about him. No, you can't say this about him. And when Abu Jahl said, you better say something negative about him. So he said, let me think about it. Allah says, إِنَّهُ فَكَّرَ He thought, وَقَدَّرَ And he decided, فَقُتِلَ كَيْفَ قَدَّرَ So may he be destroyed for how he decided. قُتِلَ This is, a kalima which gives the meaning of making a dua against someone. It doesn't mean he was killed, but rather what does it mean? May he be cursed, may he perish, may he be destroyed for how he deliberated, for what a decision he made. May he be cursed and perished for what he said, for the decision that he made concerning the Qur'an. ثُمَّ قُتِلَ كَيْفَ Then may he be destroyed for how he deliberated. ثُمَّ نَظَرْ Then he considered. He was thinking and he was reflecting. And ثُمَّ نَظَرْ نَظَرَ What does it mean to look, to consider? So he contemplated. What did he contemplate? The faces of the people who were gathered in that majlis. And he contemplated as to what to say about the Qur'an. Because he was basically looking for just one thing that he could say against the Qur'an, against the Prophet ﷺ, by which people will be turned away from the Prophet ﷺ. Just one aib, one fault, anything that he could come up with. Anything that he could twist and misrepresent and as a result turn people from the Qur'an. So Allah says, فَقُتِلَ كَيْفَ قَدَّرْ ثُمَّ قُتِلَ كَيْفَ قَدَّرْ ثُمَّ نَظَرْ He thought again. And even when he thought again, did he say something positive? No. ثُمَّ عَبَسَ Then he frowned وَبَسَرَ And he scowled عَبَسَ Is from the root letters عَيْن بَاسِينَ And عَبَسَ means to frown It is to basically contract the skin which is between the eyes The skin that is between the eyes The forehead basically This is عَبَسَ To scowl, to look sternly So he frowned Like someone who is in a very deep thought You know when someone is thinking about something, really reflecting on it, what do they do? They contract the skin which is between their eyebrows. 
So abasa and basara. Basara is from the root letters basin ra, and it is to increase in abasa, to really tighten the skin. So it is a step ahead of abasa, to increase the contracting. So summa abasa wa basara. Allah subhanahu wa taala describes his facial expressions over here, that how he was thinking. And how he was looking at people. Allah says, ثُمَّ أَدْبَرَ Then he turned back. Meaning turned back from the truth. He could have almost you know, made all the people convinced about the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. And he could almost have accepted faith himself as well. But he turned away from there. When Abu Jahl said to him, Your people will not leave you. You better say something negative. So أَدْبَرَ وَاسْتَكْبَرَ And he was arrogant. Meaning he arrogantly said to them, what all of you are saying is not right. You don't know anything. I'll tell you. Istakbara. Istakbara. He was very arrogant in his manner. That everything the people said, he said, no, no, no. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. And eventually what he said also, Istakbara. He was very arrogant. Faqala. Then he said, in hadha, this is not illa sihrun, except magic, that is yu'sar, that is handed down. Yu'sar from the root letters, hamzatha, ra. What does athar mean? The trace of something. The trace is what? Stays behind. So athara is to transmit, to pass on. So yu'sar, it is handed down. This is only magic that has been handed down from one generation to the other. From the people of the past, and this has reached Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. In hada, he said, "This is not meaning this Quran is not illa qaulul bashar, except the word of a human being. This is not the word of Allah. This is the word of a human being. This is the speech of human beings." In Surah An-Nahl, ayah 103, also we learn, "وَلَقَدْ نَعْلَمُ أَنَّهُمْ يَقُولُونَ إِنَّمَا يُعَلِّمُهُ بَشَرٌ." And we certainly know what they say. That they say it is only a human being. Who teaches the Prophet? So in هذا إلا قول البشر. So don't get impressed by it. So this is what they decided they were going to spread amongst the people. We we'll listen to the recitation. فإذا نقر في النقور فذلك يوم يوم عسير. على الكافرين غير يسير ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا وجعلت له مالا ممدودا وبنين شهودا ومهدت له تمهيدا ثم يطمع أن أزيد كلا إنه كان لآياتنا عنيدا سأرهقه صعودا إنه فكر وقدر فقتل كيف قدر ثم قتل كيف قدر ثم نظر ثم عبس وبسر ثم أدبر واستكبر فَقَالَ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ يُؤْثَرُ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا قَوْلُ الْبَشَرُ It's amazing how his expressions and the way he thought, the way he reflected, the way he responded to the people, all of that is mentioned in so much detail. 
And besides that, what else is mentioned? His wealth and his children. And how he was perceived by the society, how much influence he had in that society. Everything is mentioned in so much detail to show how the wealth of this dunya can really deceive a person. That Walid bin Mughira, he had everything of this dunya, but how he was deceived by it. And how he was drawn away from the truth because of this deception. Allah had given him so much. And because of all that wealth and power and authority, he did not accept the truth. He did not want to give up all the greatness, the grandeur of this dunya. He saw the truth, yet he did not acknowledge it. And rather, what was he doing? Striving to prove it? Wrong. So we see at the beginning of the surah, on the one hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the character of the da'i. How a da'i should be. He should have good akhlaq. He should do sabr. He should acknowledge the greatest truth. Worry about the greatest reality. رَبَّكَ فَكَبِّرْ قُمْ فَأَنزِرْ This is how a da'i should be. And then on the other hand, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the way of the people of this world. That how are they? Lost in this dunya. People who don't acknowledge the truth. People who are proud, who belittle others, who belittle those who are lesser than them. And we see that first in the surah, the da'i is told as to what he should do, what he should focus on. And then an example is given of what kind of people a person might come across when he's calling people to Allah. And then how should a person deal with these people? That first of all, don't be impressed by them. Because look at the way he's mentioned in these ayat. Who gave him all of his wealth anyway? Allah. So don't be impressed by such people. And yes, he looked very impressive as he was thinking, and he was reflecting, and he was thinking about what to say. Every suggestion that was given, he turned it down. Wow, how intelligent he is. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, don't be impressed by him. And secondly, leave his matter to me. So when a person comes across such people, how should he think of them? First of all, don't be impressed by them. Because many times, who is it that people follow? Those who are wealthy. Those who are influential. So, don't be impressed by them. And secondly, leave their matter to Allah. And remember that Allah is the one who created them alone, and He will deal with them alone. Okay, let's listen to the recitation again. ذرني ومن خلقت وحيدا وجعلت له مالا ممدودا وبنين شهودا ومهدت له تمهيدا ثم يطمع أن أزيد كلا إنه كان لآياتنا عنيدا سأرهقه صعودا إنه فكر وقدر فقتل كيف قدر ثم قتل كيف قدر ثم نظر ثم عبس وبسر ثم أدبر واستكبر فقال إن هذا إلا سحر يؤثر إن هذا 